You are listening to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. And joining us for today's call-in show are Donnie Dawson, the State Film Commissioner. She joins us in the studio. So nice to see you face-to-face. <laughs> Aloha, Catherine. It's great to be here. And Irish Barber, she joins us uh, via phone today. She's a union rep for uh, local film crews. IATSE is the International Alliance of Theatrical State Employees. Aloha, Stage. Irish. Aloha. Stage, excuse me, not state. <laughs> um, well, we're talking about the film industry today and the red-hot pace of production. Um, you know, Donnie, let's start with you. You know, w- What can you tell us about the numbers of, of things that we've got in play right now? It's kind of crazy, um, but I, I'm happy to say that the film industry is kind of our saving grace right now. And um, Forbes had it right when they came out with an article um, uh, right after the New Year saying that this was going to be an explosive year in uh, film production and entertainment, and they couldn't have been more right on the money. And I think it's a combination of the fact that we... The film industry is extremely safe, and it's probably one of the most safe uh, industries to engage in during this pandemic. And that's a big deal for people out there in the community that are wondering, why are we doing this, and is it safe, and shouldn't these productions be waiting until all this is over? And I say it's completely the opposite. We need to be, the film industry is our one opportunity where they can immediately start pumping money into our beleaguered economies and creating jobs overnight to, uh, to help us get back on our feet, not to mention the countless numbers of uh, small businesses in our community that have been on the brink of going under who are now uh, getting a second wind and um, resurrecting because they need to support these film productions that are taking place across the island, and island you, chain. Uh, you know, Irish, you know, jump in here because a lot of your members were benched for a while when everything shut oh, down, right? And absolutely. you had to find a way forward. Absolutely. In March, we started hearing about shows across the nation shutting down. We saw all of our graduations cancel. We had, of course, the canceling of Hawaii Five-0. Magnum was wrapping up, and uh, Five-0 was trying to wrap up, and by by April, everyone was on unemployment, and we already know what troubles we were having getting unemployment to, to the yes. population. Um, so yes, it was extremely scary times. Our international president Matthew Loeb reached out to the national leaders around June. Uh, the Directors Guild of America, uh, Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists and the Teamsters in Hollywood to negotiate a return-to-work agreement in June, knowing that this right in the middle of the pandemic. And it took all of those months, tireless months, to get the agreement that everybody agreed on with the studios, and it was approved in September. And right about that time is when Temptation Island, that was originally scheduled to shoot in June, decided to go back to work and bought out a hotel on Maui, required casting crew that would quarantine 24-7, and then put these protocols for COVID in place. And that was our first. We were praying that they were going to be successful. So after they tested the cast one to three times a week, they had over 3,000 COVID tests. And I'm talking about the nasopharyngeal test. The painful one. (laughs) The 
na- yes, the nose one. Over 3,000 tests they did for the casting crew to make sure everybody was safe. They kept everybody inside. They kept close uh, monitors on everyone. The IATSC adopted a zero-tolerance policy to support the employers. And I will say that it worked. Um, there were zero positive cases on that show. So we all kind of ex- exhaled knowing that we could go back to work. And the employers were really great in helping us get back to work, giving us sick leave if we got sick, paying for all the testing. And, and I will say other industries did not have the support of their employers. So we're very grateful that in the middle of a major pandemic, we were able to find a, a safe way forward. Right. Everybody had to give a little, mm-hmm. I think, on this, right? Oh, yeah. it was scary, yes. And, and we know a lot more now, right, about the virus than we did then. Mm-hmm. It was very scary, it, and it was, it, it, and the community was scared, and uh, they were COVID weary. And the last thing they wanted was to see us opening our doors because tourism had shut down. They, the last thing they wanted to see was our opening the doors from people from outside Hawaii and possibly having them um, tax our our hospitals that were already in demand and overflowing. Um, with with patients and it was it was nerve-wracking and I will say that the company out of Chicago that uh, quarterbacked all of the medical protocols for Temptation Island MedCore did an outstanding job um, helping us allay the fears of the community because there were a lot of people out there that said we shouldn't be ha- allowing this. We shouldn't be having uh, film production going on in the midst of this pandemic. And MedCore stuck to the science, stuck to what was being um, uh, what was being done, and the the whole the way that production has changed, as Irish can attest to, completely. Production has has changed completely, and because of these protocols, and making sure that these. Um, uh, they they kept their their sets covid clear and they did and and it has just led to the next production and the next and the next and now we're just um well they're everywhere may i, may I add to that don yeah. uh, and Catherine? so temptation island actually you're right the community stood up and said no you're not going to film it's it's too soon we don't you know the pandemic we had to go on multiple Zoom calls with um, politicians, Maui legislators, community leaders, and, of course, uh, the medical professionals, the director and producer, all on these multiple Zoom calls to explain the process and procedures that everyone's going to stay put in. There. No one's going to be on the beach, you know, and out shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that commitment and dedication of everyone involved that made it successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody behaved themselves. They mm-hmm. they, they yep. gave their word and then everything worked out. And regard. it was good for the hotels. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hotel, um, uh, the hotel worker unions, for the first time, I think, in history, were supporting the film industry and supporting uh, the, the film unions wholeheartedly because they were shut down and they and actually included on these Zoom calls were the head of the la- the hotel worker unions saying right. yes we want these these film productions to to come in because our workers know it's safe they know the protocols the film industry has put into place and they it it reassured them 
that it was safe for their union workers to come back to work. Right, and that worked out. You know, if you're uh, just joining the conversation, we're talking about Hawaii's film industry. You can join our discussion by calling 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, you know, we've had a number of announcements about uh, productions uh, coming into town. The latest one was on the Big Island. I don't know, Donna, you want to uh, talk about that? that mm-hmm. They're setting up shop at the Naniloa. Yes, and uh, other locations around the east side of Hawaii Island. And it's it's really exciting because um, the, the, the Hawaii Island is struggling, like all of us, but I think more so uh, the east side. Uh, because they've not bounced back as much as uh, the Kona side has, but they are going to see a production that is the biggest thing to hit Hawaii Island since um, Indiana Jones more than a decade ago, and that's really exciting for them, the jobs, the local jobs that are going to be created, and um, I think this show, you know, they shot in a hotel last season, in Las Vegas, and so this is going to be a whole new thing for um, for Hawaii Island, and they're very excited about it. Uh, Mayor Mitch Roth uh, is very excited, and he's welcoming whatever productions want to come to Hawaii Island. He's excited about because he knows how much it means to the economy. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Irish, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many members you have on the Big Island there. I mean, if Love Island sets up shop, you know, what would that mean for jobs? Well, um, our jurisdiction spans the entire state, and our our members travel where the work is, and the, that the lion's share of the work is on Oahu. But we do have a few members that are um, scheduled to shoot. They don't start shooting till July, and they are lined up to work with some of the prior crew that came in over from season two, and starting up season three of Love Island. Um, we also had three shows that wrapped on Maui, so we're getting a lot of. Um, and some interest on Kauai, getting a lot of um, indicators that are, are we are coming back strong. And, you know, obviously we have the news of uh, NCIS Hawaii, which mm-hmm. is a big deal. Real big uh, deal. Yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, talk about that. I mean, gosh. Well, I think originally it was going to be NCIS Pearl Harbor. And uh, to be honest, uh, they that's another CBS show, so that's a sister show to Magnum PI and to um, the now canceled Hawaii Five O. Uh, but at first, they I think they were going to be NCIS Pearl Harbor, and they were watching and waiting during the legislative session to see what was going to happen to our tax credit because that's an important part of the equation here. It allows the tax credit, which has been in play for more than 14 years, is extremely important to kind of closing the sale for these projects to come to Hawaii to make it um, cost-effective for them to be out in Hawaii because bottom line is it's more expensive to film here than anywhere else, and a lot of that is due to our geographic location. but I, I will say that uh, this is a show that I think is going to be different in the sense that um, the director-producer of the show, Larry Tang, is, is very keen on uh, being culturally sensitive and also uh, sensitive to our language. Uh, um, Olelo Hawaii is, is one of the um, official languages for uh, Hawaii, and uh, he knows that. He worked on Hawaii Five-O in the past. He comes from a multi-ethnic family himself, and I he gets it. He's one of those producers that get it. 
and that's important to us. And I'm particularly proud because I, you know, started having this conversation with Larry about the title, and when he said it was going to be NCIS Hawaii, I'm was fantastic. That's great. Um, can you guys talk about maybe inserting the Okina, which would be uh, appropriate? And I explained to him, and he was very open to listening, and uh, I explained to him that it's a consonant in our language. It is um, similar to the C in California, and leaving it out would be like leaving the C out of California, and you wouldn't do that. Um, I take that from Hilama <laughs> Farden because he said that many times. But uh, bottom line is he was able to convince the show to insert the Okina officially into the title. Uh, so it is NCIS Hawaii, which we're very proud of. Yes, and you're part Native Hawaiian, and yes. I know that's a big deal for you. That that little Okina yes. means a lot. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot to talk about with NCIS. Um, you know, it does have a lead uh, uh, actress, actor, uh, Vanessa Lachey. Um, let's take a listen to her from this trailer. Hey, I'm Vanessa Lachey, and I am playing Jane Tennant on NCIS Hawaii. I am the first female lead of the NCIS franchise, and I don't take that lightly. Excited to bring a different layer to this role and hopefully inspire this next generation of young girls and women. My character, Jane Tennant, is special agent in charge of NCIS. She is a mother of a 15-year-old boy and a 9-year-old girl, and that is real life, juggling life and love and work. Hawaii is the perfect setting for NCIS and the next chapter of the franchise. I myself have traveled there a little bit. I was born on an Air Force base in the Philippines and passed through Hawaii. You know, I obviously know the first layer that most people know when they pass through and you see the beautiful waters and the beaches. But what I'm interested to show is uh, the depth to the people of Hawaii. There's so much beauty there. There's so much culture there. And hopefully I can portray to everyone and show the beautiful side of Hawaii. That was Vanessa Lachey, the series lead actor in NCS Hawaii. <laughs> you know, um, Donnie, I was able to talk to uh, the producer, Larry Tang, yesterday, and he, he's not a stranger to Hawaii. Uh, he apparently has directed 11 episodes of Hawaii Five O. He's one of the few Asian directors. Uh, and I understand that he's hired a cultural consultant mm -hmm. for the series as well, and that's that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, we always encourage our productions to hire cultural uh, consultants, language consultants. It's really important. But what's more important than that is that they are willing to listen to these individuals who have expertise um, as practitioners and they know what they're talking about. And it really doesn't make sense to have a cultural consultant on board if they're not going to take to heart the advice that they're being given and uh, the notes that they're being given on certain pages and to be able to incorporate that. But I think when they do and they have those open minds to, the writers have the, those open minds to that um, input, it makes for richer, more authentic uh, content, which is what we're all striving for. And I think as Native Hawaiians, we're trying to really um, reverse the trend that has been happening for decades and a century or so of misrepresentation in the media. And 
the fact that NCIS Hawaii is going to have a, a woman of color in the lead is a huge thing. And the fact that they are hiring a cultural consultant, language consultant, who's an expert in these areas, and they are be they're being open and willing to um, incorporating some of that um, feedback into the final product is a game changer, in my opinion. You know, uh, I did not know Larry before yesterday. I talked to him for the first time, but here is where he's coming from. You know, I, I tell the story that, like, you know, when my daughter was five, she came out here to visit me on Hawaii Five O, and this is probably season three of Hawaii Five O, so like 2012 or so, 2013. And I remember her looking around and saying, "Daddy, everyone looks like me," and it really made a, a huge impression because uh, you know, back in LA, you know, she is. Pretty much the the only Asian girl in her class, and um, and she's she's Hapa, uh, but you know her her mother is Jewish, and you know in her Hebrew school certainly she is the only um, Asian girl in her school, and so for her to say that really stuck with me, and I think, you know, I look at this project that I, I've been so lucky to be asked to do, and, and to, to 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 have a show that has two Asian American leads, uh, a, a show that's that's going to tell a local story about a about a, a guy who came from the islands um, with a crew that is majority Asian American, uh, Pacific Islander, and you know in a state that is over seventy percent AAPI, I think is just incredible. Like when am I ever going to have that chance to to do that again? Um, so I feel very very fortunate and blessed to be here to to, to do that. The the authenticity is really important to us. You know, I, I don't want to represent Hawaii, its people, its culture, its spirit, you know, incorrectly. It, it, it deserves that. It deserves to be represented properly. And, and so for us, it was really important to go out and, and seek someone who could help us with the, the Hawaiian language, with, with speaking pidgin or with, with traditions or customs or anything like that. I think it's, it's, it's going to be a, a big part of the show, and, and we want to make sure we stay true to that. That was Larry Tang, producer of uh, NCS, uh, NCIS Hawaii, uh, that is going to start shooting here. And uh, they have just what moved into the Hawaii facility? Film Studio mm -hmm. at Diamond Head, which is um, uh, Magnum, their sister show, uh, CBS show, has um, made room for them. And so Magnum is moving out to uh, Kalailoa and um, Hawaii Five-O. Uh, excuse me, Hawaii Five-O. NCIS Hawaii is going to be headquartered at the Diamond Head facility, which is really exciting for us. And um, they are uh, ramping up as we speak. You know, Irish, when I uh, talked to Larry yesterday, he goes, oh, did you see my Instagram this weekend? He posted apparently a number of pictures of the crew. And he said, yeah, there's like 60%. They're all, you know, AJAPI and so, yeah, I, I didn't see it, but I just thought that was interesting. And, you know, I, I don't know. You want to weigh in here, Irish? Oh, sure. You know, one of the um, things the international is pushing is diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have a national committee, um, and we are also negotiated in, into our contracts. And it's really appropriate for Pride Month that we look at the whole spectrum of what Hawaii and our nation is comprised of. It isn't reflected in the in the producers and other leaders in our industry, and I, I find this uh, Larry Tank to be such a, a fresh um, perspective, and and his gratitude is infectious. I'm um, I, I, I I'm so excited that 
cop shows do really well here, but we don't have that much crime. <laughs> it's really it's kind of funny how these police shows do so well here. It's really nice to see that Larry's going to actually show an authentic perspective of Hawaii, um, not just that solving crime. I, we don't have rampant crime here, um, but somehow people love seeing the um, cop shows doing well here. I'm uh, yeah, I'm my membership is probably the most diverse. Uh, we have almost 600 members and over a thousand uh, trainees in the alliance of the IATSC. And I, I know for a fact that we have every single color of the rainbow in our in our um, membership. Well, well, that's terrific. I mean, gosh, I mean, uh, how long, how old is this organization here in the islands? We're going to be 85 next year. Wow. Wow. Okay. Major milestone. Well, well, that's terrific. You know, uh, we're making gains, right? Yep. I mean, Donnie, I've known you for a long time, and I know the struggles that you've had. It's like one baby step, and you, mm -hmm. you just keep working on it. Mm -hmm. And and uh, uh, what it's I, all about education, mm -hmm. opportunity for education, and 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 in in enlightening, engaging, and enlightening these people that want to have this information, but they don't know what they don't know. And I think um, we're, we're really starting to turn the corner largely because of, as Iris says, this, this, this push toward diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it, it has really kind of um, shifted the entire industry. And so what we're seeing now is a, a, a plethora of producers who are wanting to, to do the right thing and wanting to engage communities in order to create more um, real substantive programming. Well, if you're just listening to the conversation uh, here on Public Radio, our guests in studio are Donnie Dawson. She's a state film commissioner. We are also joined by uh, Irish Barber, the local uh, rep for uh, local film crews for the IATSE uh, uh, Union. Uh, and you know you can join our discussion by calling us here at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We are going to take a break now. But, you know, if you ever thought about w what it takes to be in on a local production, uh, you can join our discussion. Uh, call us and we will continue this conversation right after the break. Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art with the exhibition Joyful Return, featuring a gallery presentation of modern and contemporary artworks from a diverse group of 20th century artists. HonoluluMuseum.org Job growth continues to disappoint, but wage growth is strong. So is this a problem in our economy or not? I'm Josh Barrow. For that, plus the spike in crime, an infrastructure negotiation, a cruise fight, a beef problem, and a pillow delusion. Join Liz Brunick, Tim Carney, Patrick Sharkey, and me for Left, Right, and Center. Beginning this evening at 7, following All Songs Considered. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative.
You are listening to the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio, and we've been talking about the film industry and the productions uh, that are in town. We were talking about NCIS. Uh, and, you know, one thing that struck me about uh, the producer Larry Tang was his humbleness. You know, he's you know starting this mm-hmm. new series, and everybody has great hopes for it. Um, but he also mentioned that I think he was going to be doing things with the University of Hawaii, you know, mm-hmm. helping to teach. And, and uh, you know, I think that's a great thing. We've got another production that is just wrapping up. Um, maybe you can tell us about that. Doogie Kamealoha, MD. And that is another uh, show that we are extremely proud of, uh, mainly because it has taken, uh, through the genius of Courtney Kang, it has taken the beloved Doogie Hauser MD show of the 90s and reimagined it for Hawaii. And Courtney Kang is the showrunner and uh, writer, and she has um, a connection to Hawaii that's very special to her through her family, and she has been able to completely uh, revise and update that story and make it unique to Hawaii, and we're super excited about that. The lead, Elizabeth Peyton Lee, is this 16. So again, it's a, it's a young Hapa, 16-year-old, who is playing that lead role that Neil Patrick Harris played back in the day, and um, her father is none other than Jason Scott Lee, who, um, you know, Hawaiian-Chinese uh, descent, and he uh, plays her father. And it's just really, really exciting that uh, we, we can see our multi-ethnic population start to see themselves in these stories, and we're really proud of that. And they're, they're based at the cancer center, the UH Cancer Center uh, uh, down in Kaka'ako. This season. I did chat with Melvin Marr yesterday, the producer on the show. He's also familiar with the islands. Uh, but he, he told me a funny story. He said that he remembers when, when Jason Scott Lee walked in and he just he gushed, you know, because he was always a big fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, the production there turned out to be a nice little windfall for the University of Hawaii, for the medical school and for the cancer center, because they were able to use a frame of a building and move in and Voila, turn it into a hospital. So yeah. um, that was kind of a nice shot in the arm for the University of Hawaii. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful set. The hospital set is gorgeous. And here's what's cool. I mean, people don't think about these things, but it actually looks like Hawaiian architecture or interior design. And they, their, their um, art directors, production designers really got that right. And I'm, you know, it's all make-believe and it's all going to go away eventually, but it's super exciting to see that created in our midst. Well, we did talk to the Melvin yesterday. Uh, here's what he had to say. The takeaway from Hawaii is Chris Lee and Donnie were right that, like, I needed to shoot something here about Hawaii, about its people and about its culture, not just coming here and using Hawaii as a backdrop. It all sort of started a while ago. I, I met Donnie when we were shooting Jumanji, you know, and then she came to the press junket uh, that we had here for the first movie, and we just sort of talked about what it would be like to shoot something, you know, uh, longer term here, you know, in in sort of an abstract way, and then um, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Lee, who's also working uh, on the the show, um, you know, he was in L.A. at the time, and we we sort of met and talked about... um, how it's great to come here and use it as a backdrop, use Cool Lower Ranch, you know, make that Jumanji, but we're really sort of missing out on uh, what it be, what it means to be, you know, um, a resident of Hawaii and be Hawaiian and like, uh, 
you know, then Duki Kami Aloha came along and uh, really sort of uh, fit it. And I remember calling Chris and saying, like, I think I have something that uh, really addresses what we talked about, you know. And um, it's been it's been great. Uh, I, I, once in a lifetime experience, really. Um, hopefully, actually, I take that back. It shouldn't be a once in a lifetime experience. I hope we get to do this for a bunch of times in our lifetime. Especially <laughs> yeah. this show, a bunch of seasons. Yeah, and I think they are going to roll out this fall. Uh, and I know when I talked to the uh, uh, cancer center folks this morning, they, uh, uh, you know, had the nicest things to say about the cast and the crew. And you know, Irish. I don't know how much of of uh, you know a part your members played over there, but uh, the the med school just love you folks. Well, first of all, I just want to thank Donnie um, and Chris Lee for having these in front of camera and behind the scenes conversations with these people who make these decisions to bring shows here. Uh, the, our film commissioners, our city and state film commissioners, don't get enough credit for all the publicity and marketing and talking that they do to bring these shows here. So I just wanted to acknowledge the hard work that Chris Lee and Donnie Dawson and our multiple film commissioners across the state have done for our industry, constantly building it. And, and for Doogie, well, this was unique. So the, first of all, um, they uh, hired department heads that were local. And the first time, it's extremely rare that our local 665 gets the costume designer that's usually a position that comes from the mainland but they wanted a very local flavor as Donnie mentioned in the art department they also wanted it in their costumes so they hired two of our our members first time out the gate costume designers and had co-costume designers and they did a fabulous job and put many of our members in key positions and that's to the testament of our industry this doesn't happen overnight. It happens over years of trust and training and building their skill set and trust in the producers that come here multiple times, and they see our members grow into these um, leadership positions. So I'm very proud of Doogie taking a chance on our members and our members knocking it out of the gate. Well, we do have a caller. Uh, Pamela from Honolulu is on the line. She has a question, I think, about the unions. Pamela, are you there? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yes, yeah, so what's on your mind? Um, I guess I had a question about uh, the impact of the fact that these industries are largely unionized, like the film and television industry um, and the hotel industry, and, you know, whether um, without being unionized, all the COVID protocols could have been put in place and followed so well, um, et cetera. It seems, it seems like that helped. But um, I guess I'm just interested in the guest opinion. Irish? Oh, so. Oh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely couldn't have happened as quickly as it did if we were not unionized, because each union, a national union, has contacts and can immediately mobilize all of these contacts. And with the IATSC, SAG-AFTRA, DGA, and the Teamsters all being on the same page, it was a formidable force to be dealt with, and we were able to negotiate rather quickly um, brand-new protocols out of nowhere, and, and as a result, brand-new jobs on every single mm -hmm. production. We have COVID health safety monitors. We have COVID teams 
and supervisors and protocols and all brand new jobs that came of this pandemic, unfortunately, that the unions were able to put together very quickly and test. We, the IATSC alone hired three epidemiologists to study the virus and what, what tests would be good and what protocols would be good. And if we had a pod, um, everybody had to work in groups, separate groups. If one pod became infected, the other pod had to be um, go into effect while that infected pod went into quarantine. So all brand new things um, that I think because we were union and we're used to following directions, much like an, a military unit, I think we were able to get it done faster than um, a non-union entity would have. Yeah, this has certainly been a challenging time. Uh, we did reach out to a couple of casting directors. I, I believe Rachel. Rachel Sutton. Sutton she and was Katie traveling. Doyle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't able to be with us today. But we did talk to Katie Doyle. Uh, and she talked about how, yeah, they, they've had to change their, their protocols, right? No more large uh, cattle calls uh, for extras and uh, 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 for folks that are uh, interested in uh, participating in, in uh, a production. Uh, here's what she had to say. I am honored to work in an industry that's taken everything very seriously and done everything humanly possible to come back in a very safe way. So my advice is to stay in touch via any way you can, electronically, the Internet. There are several fantastic agents in this town who work really hard. The more work that's coming in, the better work is being offered because people are finally getting that sort of steady experience. So they can compete with people now who, you know, go to several auditions a week when they didn't used to be able to do that here. So now um, everybody's game has sort of, you know, when you play tennis with somebody who's better than you are, you get better. You may not feel it right away, but as time goes on, you start to get better. And then one day you beat them on the court, which means you're going to book that role over somebody from L.A. who was reading for it. So I say there are lots of sites on the Internet. If you type in, you know, what's coming up in Honolulu, Hawaii, pay attention to the Screen Actors Guild, things that are out there on the Internet. We have a wonderful executive director here that's actually boots in the ground in Honolulu, so people can always get in touch with her. Um, and, and there are other, like, if you, if you look for extras, and there are several actors in town who run sites on the Internet that people can and go to and look and see what's coming up. We usually put things out on Instagram or Facebook. We use all the tools that are available to us. I'll send things to schools if we know we're going to need kids. We go deep into the community here because we always get a great response. <laughs> There's fantastic hidden talent all over the islands here, and we do go to all the islands. We want folks that aren't on Oahu to feel that the opportunities aren't there for them because there's a lot happening everywhere right now. We finished a great HBO show. They're just starting to do some promos for it called White Lotus, The White Lotus. It's an HBO limited series, and we did that all on Maui at a resort. It was fantastic. That was uh, Katie Doyle, a casting director, talking about the opportunities to break in since there aren't any casting calls. And we've got lots of productions uh, stretched out across the state. And Iris, you know, people may want to know, how do you get in and how do you break in, to, you know, uh, to be a member of the crew? How does that work? So, good question. Uh, the IATSC is the largest entertainment union in the world. We span the United States, Canada, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. I consider us the NFL of entertainment. 
Um, so we're lo- always looking for the best in their craft, whether it be grip or lighting or wardrobe or makeup. We're always looking for talent and, of course, growing our industry. So it, I'm very happy that we have the bachelor's program at the University of Hawaii and the new West Oahu Film Student Film Academy that's going to fuel our industry with knowledgeable graduates that are seeking to provide our own content and not rely so heavily on outside content, for lack of a better word. But in order to get in, I always recommend someone that's straight out of high school or has no idea of what they want to do or no passion for a particular craft to be a production assistant because they go all over the place. They, they intermingle with all the departments, and they can see for themselves what, might, what they might gravitate toward. And once they have more experience, we then can see what, whether the IA, which is exclusively behind the camera, is something that they're interested in, or if they want to be an actor or extra, then they would go with the other union, the Screen Actors Guild, or if they want to be an assistant director, then they'd go towards the DGA. So for our process, at a minimum, you'd need a resume and an interview to see what your transferable skills would be, and uh, we'd see where you might land. So for the IATSC, that's our process. Our very, very basic process is is there. Yeah, I've known people that worked as production assistants, and they've done things like park cars, Mm -hmm. you know, but you work all kinds of odd hours. you got to be willing to do anything and everything and work long hours and do it smiling and make yourself indispensable and find out, as Irish says, what your passion is. And then kind of follow that path and and connect yourself or network with the people that are that are engaged in that specific craft and just, you know, work your way through. It takes a lot of years, a lot of patience. uh, But we have, as Katie said, amazing, diverse talent in Hawaii and in all realms for this industry. So there's really something for everyone. And I always am am. Uh, proud to say that there is not a sector of our economy that is not impacted by the film industry. So there really is something for everyone. One of our producers mentioned this morning that he he knew somebody who worked as a security guard uh, on a a shoot. And then, you know, I think he got to know the ropes and got to know people. And and then he he got in as as a crew member. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just never know how that all all works out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. And, and you probably have seen opportunities for uh, our people here to get their foot in the door and then grow along with this industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. You know, a lot of people have, have uh, come in from UH, from the Academy for Creative Media, and uh, have fed into these different productions and have worked their ways, their, you know, left school and worked their way up um, the ladder, which is always exciting to see and to kind of check back in with them. Kaliko Maii is a, is a good example, uh, and he just uh, helped produce Aina Paikai's film Hawaiian Soul about George Helm. And he's one that, you know, worked his way up through the ranks uh, from his education to uh, Hawaii Five-O and the camera department and and then started, you know, creating his own projects uh, so that's always exciting to, to witness uh, the Waianae High School Sea Riders 
Sea Rider Productions, uh, Candy Suiso's program that uh, she and John Allen have really um, nurtured over the years. It is so exciting to see what happens to those kids as they make their way into the industry and uh, make their way up as well. Can uh, you folks talk about any productions that may be scouting or are, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe slated to come later this year? Uh, I, I, you know, I think, you know, there've been some that have, that have been out there scouting and have, uh, decided to go another direction, uh, which is unfortunate, but we, we truly do have, um, an unprecedented level of, uh, productions currently engaged, various stages of ramping up, engaged, shooting, or looking at Hawaii for the next uh, 12 to 18 months. And the whole idea with our industry is to keep that pipeline full. And there's, there's a lot of um, elements that are important in order to keep the pipeline full. And one, uh, again, is the tax credit, the ability to keep that, that tax credit stable, predictable, accessible. Uh, second would be that uh, we have the, the various film commissions at the state and county level that are in the position to support uh, the production that is looking at us or are currently engaged here. And then the third would be infrastructure and um, the, the, the studio facilities that we have in play now and those that, that are um, in development for, uh, for future. And uh, the UH West Oahu has just completed a uh, $40 million facility that is going to be uh, key to that ACM program out there, and we'll have commercial applications for that facility as well. We invite our listeners, if you're out there and want to weigh in on our conversation about Hawaii's film industry, uh, call us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. So th- this session, then, the lawmakers kept the uh, credits in mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, I think Maui was trying to get you know, more of a, like a studio presence, I think, over there on that island. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, lots of folks have ideas about how do we grow this, right? We saw the big island, you know, snagging this one production, mm-hmm. the, the first, like you said, in a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, what other opportunities are, are out there? Well, you know, we did do a, a statewide study um, for infrastructure a few years back, and it was commissioned by the legislature, and they looked at all the islands, and I know that uh, it was ultimately decided that the, the place where it made the most sense was out on the west side of Oahu. And I think what we're going to start to see is um, a, a, a growth not only here but on the neighbor islands because we have a differential between the tax credit. So it's 20% for uh, productions on Oahu and 25% for the neighbor islands. And we really felt it was important to keep that in place over the years because the whole idea is to put pressure on the infrastructure, to put pressure on these various outlying regions and communities to allow the, um, the infrastructure, both labor and physical infrastructure, to kind of grow up around and develop around the demand that is happening in those communities. And you're going to start to see that happen in, uh, you know, on the neighbor islands. And it's going to happen here on Oahu because, as Iris says, 90% of our production happens on the, the neighbor islands. But we're also going to see it really growing 
um, excuse me, 90% happens on Oahu, and um, and the rest, that 10% is uh, spread among the, the neighbor islands. But you're going to start to see the industry grow and develop statewide. I have to ask, because I know uh, the international market is is still closed down, but we used to see a lot of uh, crews from Japan come. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we're working really hard. We've been working with our congressional delegation to try to uh, restart that um, visa pilot program, which has been in place uh, for 25 plus years. And what it basically has done is it has allowed a fast track for foreign film crews to come to Hawaii uh, and not have to go through a normal, lengthy, cumbersome visa process as long as they have the blessing of the unions that they are not going to be uh, uh, taking taking jobs away from local union members, but also that the the final product is going to be aired outside the U.S. And uh, we we got this put into place through the the hard work of Senator Daniel Inouye and his staff. We were able to keep it in place post 9-11, which was a huge deal. And then um, I think with the pandemic, Things kind of got pulled back, but the unions are working very hard uh, with our our, um, congressional delegation and with the the film commissions to to get that program restarted again because uh, the the foreign film production is extremely important piece of the overall film industry puzzle. And we are almost running out of time, but I don't know, Irish, any final thoughts uh, just about from where you sit? Yes, that is super important program, the Hawaii International Film Association Visa Pilot Program that was um, Senator Inouye and Leroy Jenkins put into yes. place, made our Japanese commercial market, which was devastated by the pandemic. And then, of course, shelved by whatever agency, federal agency, chose to do that. Uh, we are working very hard to bring that back on because we were just starting to look at the Korean market right when that was shut down. So right. it, it put many of our members only did Japanese commercials or projects, and they had to transition into film and television now. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Um, I, I think that this is really a, a, an important conversation that we're having today, and I'm, I'm grateful to you for, for pulling it together. And I think that it's exciting for the state of Hawaii and for our community. And I think the most important takeaway, for me at least, is that the film industry um, deserves to be, to have um, kind of a, a, a higher place of recognition for what it can do to help our, our, our struggling economy to restart. And what I hope people will understand is is that you know in the wake of this devastating dark time of this pandemic the film industry is the brightest spot on the horizon and i'm not just saying that because i'm biased i i've I've seen what has happened with the pandemic i've seen how businesses have had to restruck had to struggle to restart and how people have, have have struggled to feed their families and i just know that this industry is in a prime position to help Hawaii get back on its feet. Well, you know, in talking with Melvin Marr, um, he was, you know, they were, the crews are packing up, getting ready to leave uh, next week. But um, 
uh, I believe he said, you know, they stayed in hotels, you know, at Alamoana Shopping Center, you know, there that uh, in Waikiki, uh, at Kahala. Uh, I mean, they really did provide an infusion of cash at a time when the tourists weren't coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now they're they're picking up again. But uh, yeah, th- just that reminder that they came and they. They dropped some money here. Yeah, they did. And, and, and like the Kahala Resort, the Alohilani, the Waikiki Prince, the Marriott, uh, the Royal Hawaiian, they have all uh, been able to support our incoming film crew and uh, producers to, um, to provide the safe place for them to work out of and get these shows on the on on the road. So we're grateful to to them. We're grateful for the for the visitor industry and how they have really helped support our industry get back up and running. Uh, anything else you want to add, Irish? I just I couldn't agree with Donnie more. Any the silver lining coming out of the pandemic. There's uh, tons of streaming happened last year, and yes. all that content was put on there by all of us that work in this industry. Um, we all are now experts on Zoom, for, <laughs> for what it, that's worth. And we are now showing that Hawaii is a technical film industry, yes. highly technical industry, high-paying jobs, and a very green industry. And yes. if we can just embrace the aloha spirit and uh, allow visitors to come back and films to come back, and I think we're seeing, I put on my piece of paper, six shows are coming. So it's all uh, looking so bright for our future and i just want to thank everyone that supports our industry all the neighborhoods that accommodate the trucks and take over we take over all your parking <laughs> like a big circus and of course to you and hawaii public radio for having us well i think uh, a lot of the small businesses appreciate uh the boost you know whether they're the the food vendors you know that yeah. set up shop uh around these productions, uh, the, the small businesses, I don't know, the, what the, else we... St- you talk to Steve and I.E. at City Mill, and uh, yes. he will tell you <laughs> right. that we have, for many, um, many years, uh, the film industry has helped his business, his family's business, to, to really kind of uh, stay on a strong footing. He understands he and others like him in the business community and the small business community in Hawaii over the years, way pre-pandemic, understand the importance of this industry because it, there is this insatiable demand for the programming, but further than that, they recognize that the show must go on. No matter what's happening in the world, the show must go on, and that provides revenue. All right. Well, Hanaho. <laughs> we would like to thank our guests uh, today, Irish Barber, the union rep for uh, local film crews, Donnie Dawson, the state film commissioner, and we thank you, the listener, for joining us here on today's show. Uh, and if you have a- any comments to make discussion, you can still co- contact the, the talkback line and leave your comments. That number, 792-8217. You can also send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation Podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us on Monday for more of the conversation.